I'm Dennis Estopasi of the Business Mirror, and this is the Borderlook Podcast. Good day. Welcome to another episode of Break Time Musings, a segment of the Business Mirror BM Borderlook Podcast about topics on the fringes of business and the economy. Today's podcast is the first of four episodes based on a story by writer and film critic Tito Hinova Valiente that was published in the Philippine Graphic Magazine on June 2, 2021. Titled The Mighty Words, Writers of Protest and Revolution, Valiente's story provides a good insight on Philippine literature and the Filipino labor movement. Let's get on with the story. Speak of protest and one speaks of proletariat literature. The notion of labor leaders and activists carry with it the stipulation of the simplistic and naive. And yet, Flimeno V. Aguilar, social historian writing for the Philippine Studies, asked a question about the origin of it all. Agoncillo and his favoring of Bonifacio and the revolt of the masses. The proletarian label attached to the Katipunan has also been contested in Roots of Dependency. Jonathan Fast and Jim Richardson noted the oversimplification and looseness, and looseness of terminology in Agustinilio's work. Continuing the quote, Aguilar wrote, Subsequently, Richardson has provided data on the class composition of the Katipunan based on information on 136 persons who had joined the movement prior to 1896, most of whom held leadership positions in the Katipunan's branches and popular councils. None of them were poor or held low-paid occupations because many of them were employed by private companies or the colonial state. Their wages or salaries were either around or above the median for the city in the mid-1890s, Aguilar wrote. Be that as it may, there is no denying the power of Andres Bonifacio and the poetry ascribed to him. In the first issue of Kalayaan, the newspaper of the Katipunan, dated March 1896, a poem came this was Pag-ibig sa Tinabuang Lupa. Bearing the initials AIB, it was interpreted as an acronym for Agapito Bagong Bayan and was taken as a nom de guerre of Bonifacio. As noted by historian Jim Richardson, it was published under the initials AIB, which was generally understood to stand for Agapito Bagong Bayan, which was the pseudonym placed beneath the another contribution to the paper ang dapat mabatid ng mga Tagalog and that both pieces were written by Andres Bonifacio. The poem sets the tone for the tradition of protest poetry that was yet to come. It was a position that placed the individual as ennobled by his roots. There is no mention of nation or state, but the lines in the poem present the bayan as where all one's ideals are sourced and where one's love for this origin becomes the strength for a proto-patriotism. In the first stanza of the poem, The Power of Man Against the Oppressor, an idea that is going to be developed later, is the love for Bayan. It is a love that has the traits of pagkadalisay, or pure, and pagkadakila, noble or great. While it may appear as individualistic at first, the love for one's tinubuang lupa, or birthplace, outweighs all other love. For example, personal love against the collective. This love is also cured of sentimentality when one reads the line about how one could offer one's blood, wealth, wisdom, persistence, and labor. 
the last hidden in the word pagod. One offers more also over and above all those mentioned. One offers one's life. The nativistic pursuit of the revolutionaries, for example the Katipunan, is greatly articulated in the remembrance of the past, ang nakaraang panahon ng aliw, and the future when people are freed from slavery. The poem is romantic. By that, we go back to the early protest literature where passion dominates more the issues made by coherent confrontation of the structures from which domination is sourced and where repression is turned into social realities. By the 1870s, Andres Bonifacio's poem, or given the contention whoever wrote it, was turned into a battle cry, transformed into a song or delivered in whole or in part as a theater piece, or made as voiceover in political tableau. Vivant, the poem resuscitated an evolutionary approach to social and labor unrest. In the context of colonialism, clearly demarcated with the arrival of the Spanish, continuing into the arrival of the Americans and the acquisition of the island nation, breaking apart in the rearticulated imaginary of the Filipino culture as colonized and oppressed. It is facile but not fair to the movement and the writers to look at the literature on labor or view protest writings in terms of histories evolving along a straight line. To do this is to ask the question, what follows Andres Bonifacio? Who follows his writings? That there was a revolution did not solve agrarian and labor unrest. What can crystallize to a writer's response to histories is the various attempts to express before the nation as the writer supposed them to exist and to the world. Born in 1879, Dope Santos was a former senator of the Philippines. Before becoming a politician, he was known for writing a novel titled Banaag at Sikat or From Early Dawn to Full Light in 1906. The work is described as a socialist novel. Even as it is merely conjectural to say that Santos followed Andres Manfasio, certain factors in his family background cannot be ignored. It is said that the father of Lopeca Santos was incarcerated because the Spanish authorities discovered copies of Jose Rizal's Noli Metangere and Andres Bonifacio's Ancalayaan in his possession. In the revolution of 1896, Lopeca Santos became part of one of the revolutionary forces. He was a purveyor of the national language and the names he had given his children harked back to the times when the country was not yet Hispanized. He had three children named Lacambini, Dualhati, and Makaaram. Lopeca Santos founded his own newspaper in 1900, calling it Ang Kaliwanagan. The period is important because by this time, socialism was an emerging thought among writers and intellectuals. But Lopeca Santos was no armchair ideologue. When illustrado labor leader Jose Maria Dominador Gomez was charged and sentenced by the Supreme Court of Sedition and Legal Association against the government in 1903. The group of Santos would bring into his fold Gomez's labor group, known then as Union Obrera Democratica Filipina, or the Philippine Democratic Labor Union. Under Lopeca Santos, the group was renamed as Union del Trabajo de Filipinas. The student of metaphor would be tempted to see the light in Santos's use of Liwanag in his own ideological quest. He would call his first novel, Banaag at Sikat. The book did not only deal with the tenets of socialism, it was also clear in its trajectory. 
that labor reforms should come from the government. The novel, Banag at Sikat, is acknowledged to be the inspiration for the setting up of the Socialist Party of the Philippines. According to the document, Southeast Asian Languages and Literature, edited by Patricia Herbert and Anthony Crowthers Milner, the novel Banag at Sikat was also one of the works that triggered the 1946 Hook Balaga, or simply Hook. Santos would go on to write books on grammar and was one of the first to campaign for a national language for the country. America's in the Heart is a title that we can remember Carlos Bulosan by. It is also a monument to irony, both for the author and the theme of the discourse. By the time we learned about the contribution of Carlos Bulosan, he was already long dead. Tragic is that death because the labor concerns may have shifted in the Philippines and in America, but the issues of structured inequality remain. The poet of those years was Bulosan and his words were and are now the rallying cry of Filipinos in diaspora. Migrants like Bulosan, but unlike the Ilocano writer, more settled in the new land. The survival problems of Filipinos and other migrants may have diminished for those whose intellectual acumen and class origins allow them to think in the relative comfort of the academe. Carlos Bulosan was born on November 24, 1913. A description of Bulosan was always that of a Filipino novelist and poet who was writing in the English language. Migrating to the United States in 1930, Bulosan appeared to be an extension of the beginning of an intellectual phenomenon in the country, Philippine literature in English. In what is considered his semi-autobiographical essay, Carlos Bulosan would issue his act of faith or doubt about this new land. He wrote, it is but fair to say that America is not a land of one race or one class of men. We are all Americans that have toiled and suffered and known oppression and defeat, from the first Indian that offered peace in Manhattan to the last Filipino pea pickers. America is not bound by geographical latitudes. America is not merely a land or an institution. America is in the hearts of men that died for freedom. It is also in the eyes of men that are building a new world. America is a prophecy of a new society of men, of a system that knows no sorrow or strife or suffering. America is a warning to those who would try to falsify the ideals of free men. How Carlos Blossom arrived at that robust hope in a land that showed what could be the first systematic impression of the duplicities of migrant labor is a contribution from Carlos Blossom. Those lines would light up the path of future critics of America, the land of milk and honey. The land is at best wide, but there is a narrow world for those who were not born there. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brother Brotherlook podcast of the story titled The Mighty Words, Writers of Protest and Revolution. Join us on February. Join us on January 20 for the second part of this four-part episode of the story written by Tito Genovo Valiente for the Philippine Graphic Magazine. Many thanks to Business Mirror reporter Jasper Emmanuel Arcalas for the technical and sound editing. And many thanks to you for your continued support. This is Dennis Estopasi of the Business Mirror asking you to stay safe, stay strong, and support each other. Thank you for listening.